North Carolina, Florida, Mexico, I think Louisiana, maybe Alabama. So they're just coming from all around, and you want to make sure you're here and a part of that. It's uh, 20 years since we started, uh, about that weekend. So we started down on what they call Ditch Road, South Broadway. But uh, it's going to be a grand time of worship and speaking, and Dr. Garland Bilbo will be with us, and, and myself and Brother Eliezer Hernandez, a mighty missionary pastor from Cuba that pastors in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina now, and uh, we're excited about what God is going to do then, and on the way up, he's already doing things, he really is. Uh, i tell you what, let's go ahead and dismiss the kids, where's Sister Sheila? There she is, and she got a helper, I'm sure. Kids, that's 3 to 11. Yeah. All right. You going too? She got her dolly. She was so happy to see me this morning. I was happy to see her. Amen. I love the kids. And it's so good to see our buddies Josh and Carson today. He almost forgot my name, and then when he realized it was me, we had a good hug. We did. Amen. Well, Pastor King, come lead us in a prayer over the needs. And uh, too as well. Um, and Danielle and I were there, so you can see there's we've we've made some progress. This was kind of halfway through um, the day, so that's Derek standing up there on this on the scaffold. It's wonderful. Um, we had a slow start trying to figure out how we were going to do. The scaffold, that was up on two layers at one point, and then we figured out Derek and I would go a lot faster if we just were able to sprint across. And so <laughs> we did not sprint across. It was very wobbly, but we still got it done, so that was good. Um, so we're still in the process of painting the ceiling black uh, to fix that up. We're going to string some lights up uh, up top as well, too, to kind of give some nice, nice appearance in there. Um, you also maybe can see behind the chairs a little remnant of no carpet. We are ripping the carpet off the walls as well in there too, so we're going to paint a lot of that. So uh, I think Danielle and I are going to hang out afterwards, and I think maybe a couple people were talking about as well. Um, this afternoon, we're going to do some more painting, hopefully finish out the bottom half to where the bottom half can then match the top half, which would be great. And then uh, we'll continue painting the ceiling uh, beforehand. I think we're going to get to a point of renting a scissor lift so that we can go a little faster on the I-beams and stuff like that to where we're not having to unlock and move and lock it back up when that scaffold gets gets up there on two times with that that type of scaffold there. You're standing up there doing this the whole time. So I was doing this yesterday, doing a lot more prayer. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your protection. So we were, uh, we were getting some stuff figured out. So I think we're going to get a scissor lift at some point and uh, rent that. You can usually get a weekly rental for, uh, for a pretty good cost. So we're going to do that and then uh, finish out. You can see the I-beams that go across and some of the other metal. So we're going to paint all that and get that taken care of so that it looks really nice when people come for the conference. And we're going to eat some food in there as well, too. So we're going to hopefully have some, some, nice, uh, some nice visuals when we're in there as well. So that's the plan. That's kind of what we're doing. Uh, we're not going to meet this weekend. Um, Danielle and I will not be around the area during uh, Saturday, so we won't be meeting on Saturday. But um, the following weekend, we will be doing as much as we can in preparation to get it done. And then if we have any more to do, then we'll be hanging out on a, on a weeknights and figuring it out and getting it all taken care of. So 
so yeah, uh, we're, we're moving pretty quick. We have some pretty wide brushes or rollers, and that's been wonderful to move through a lot faster with what we were doing. So, so progress is being made. Um, if you want to contribute or help out in some way, uh, just see me after service, and I'll let you know of some different ways that you'd be able to help out. So that's the update for the building projects. So today, what I want to go through, last week we briefly talked about um, my trip to Africa, talked about some other things that, that I encountered while I was there, some of the controversy that we ran into when we were there, and uh, the way that the Lord spun that controversy into some really uh, beautiful opportunity to witness to many more people than we had anticipated. I also forgot to mention that there was one of the guys that was on the trip, he's a pastor in Texas, he ended up catching typhoid when we were there. I mean, he was shaking real bad. We got off the off one of the buses, and he was just off in the side in a bush, just letting loose all the impurities of the enemy. <laughs> and uh, and they luckily the place that we were at, um, it was a huge blessing. They have I mentioned they have a hospital, a church, and a Bible college on campus. So the pastor like sent him over directly to the doctor and was like, "You need to see this man right now." So he was seen. They said usually it takes anywhere from I don't know, five days or so, five or six days to kind of let that stuff flush out and clear out. He was like, well, we're going to leave in like three days. So that's not going to be awesome <laughs> to be on a plane. They may not let me on the plane if they see that I'm visiting the bathroom every 30 minutes to an hour. And uh, so he felt a little better the next morning. Uh, we saw him at breakfast and then he was like, I'm going to chance it. You guys had such a spectacular night on Friday night um, where the Lord moved. And I'm really jealous that I was not there. So I'm going to go to this night service, and we're just going to figure it out. And so we were in the process right after, uh, no, I was at the beginning of the service. At the beginning of the service, one of the associate pastors stood up, and uh, he was just sharing testimony of one time when he got very, very sick. And uh, he was describing all the exact symptoms that this pastor had that was with us. So uh, he started talking. I turned around because he was sitting right behind me. I put my hand on him, and like three of the other guys that we were with all put our hands on him, and we were disagreeing that the testimony that he was sharing that the Lord would do it again because how many guys know testimony means do it again and so when he was sharing the testimony we looked over and we're like this is not coincidence that he's just sharing some random testimony of all the same symptoms that you just had and so from that moment on he had no issues in his body he was completely cleared and was it was uh was healed from that so that was really fun to see um, he was also very excited as I imagined that he would be that he didn't have to deal with that anymore because that's miserable um, but so after, after I shared about, um, about my trip to Africa, we went into Psalm 23 just briefly. And I, that's just been something that's been on my heart a lot more lately. I've been really sitting on that and just meditating on just the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Just that in its entirety. What does this mean? What does this mean for us today? What does this mean for my life as I, as I lean into this a little bit more? So what I want to do is I'm probably going to end up making this probably about two or three weeks worth of, uh, of, of a series called The Good Shepherd, uh, where there's, there's been, I, it's crazy, it may be a little bit longer. Every time I turn to another passage, I'm just like, it's illuminated from there that it's uh, Psalm 23 all over again. So I, I believe that this is a message that the Lord is really uh, pushing, not just for me and my heart, but to also encourage you all as well. So what I want to do is I want to start in the book of John chapter 10, and we're going we're gonna to start in this place, and we're going to kind of migrate through um, I also want to move, probably next, next week, I'll look at uh, Matthew chapter 5, and then uh, we'll move further into, I believe, uh, 1 Peter, 
we'll be in First Peter for a little bit as well. Um, just some parallels that I'm seeing that's just wild to me, and, uh, and I love it. So he says this, John chapter 10, verses 1. We're going to go 1 through 18, so we'll read through, but I'll pause in between as we're, as we're going through this. He says this, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Hmm. Again, very truly, I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. This is really, really important. Really important here. Let's, let's stick here on, on, uh, on this little section real quick. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. NIV says, I lack nothing. Other versions say, I shall not want. I love that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It doesn't say, I will not lack anything. It says, I lack nothing. If the Lord now is my shepherd, then this is not a future tense position saying that later on I'm not going to lack anything even though right now I'm in a lot of lack. This, this is just sitting and, and, and paying attention to this has been wonderful for my, my thought process because it's so easy right now to have, to have thought processes about what is what life is going to look like later on. You can make plans and you say, that's what it's going to be. You know, you have thought, you, you save up money, you, you may have, have home projects that you do. I mean, my goodness, at our house, we just have, we look at, there's a pantry that needs to get done. There's a downstairs that we haven't even touched yet hardly. And there's our, our upstairs process where it's like we're still finalizing different pieces and trying to figure out what looks right and what doesn't look right. Anybody who's done home rental projects, you understand, you get really excited when you first start and you make it overzealous. <laughs> And you start ripping everything apart and you go, we, I got to like lay my head down somewhere. <laughs> and this is not good yet. We got to figure some stuff out. So you get really excited about the potential of what the future could hold. You get really excited about what certain aspects of, of maybe ambitions that we have or desires that we have. And, and we see currently where we're lacking in being able to get to that point. We see that there, there may be some hindrances that we're like, oh my gosh, this is just so far away being able to get to the pinnacle of what I feel like I can finally get to a point of rest. I'm, I'm constantly in this position of, of having to run around in my mind and get things figured out and all this. And, and I, I, I mean, we've been in there in, in our house and then I'm also thinking I would like to get my doctorate at some point and at what point is that gonna work out with our family dynamics and the things that we wanna do in there. 
Um, and then you know, we're also thinking, okay, with the church, what do we want to do with the church now? What are some, what are some things that we want to move into? What are some areas that we're, that we're maybe not as strong in that we need to, to really put some effort, some more effort into? How do we want to train and equip people in these areas? Um, looking at my job, what are some things I need to do with my staff? Do I, how do I need to lead them so that we're successful in what we're doing so we can remain with our grant and we don't lose our grant and we can continue having a job? And that would be great to do that as well. Um, doing side business, trying to figure out, okay, we need to get a couple more clients. What are some other things that we can do? How can we keep these current clients in, in right standing with us? And can we be even more creative than what we were before to continue to, to, to keep their interests and to, to, to keep them knowing that we're actually working for them and we're excited about their things? And your mind can continuously go and go and go and go. Maybe you're thinking about uh, your family. There's certain family members that, man, they don't, they don't know Jesus yet, and there's got to be something I got to do. There's got to be something I got to say. Maybe there's something that I said to offend them. Now there's some difficulties that we're running into and some things that, that there's a lot of tension happening, and how do I uh, navigate through these waters? And, and you're going through it constantly, 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 constantly. And it's good to have things planned out, and I'm not saying don't have plans or don't have strategies, but, but we tend to look a lot in these situations at where we lack at more than where the Lord is leading you and taking care of you in those moments. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes and restores my soul. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The shepherd is the one who leads me through the gate and brings me to the position that I need to be in. Jesus, Jesus is the word. He's full of the word. So I can't help but see many parallels in this passage with Psalm 23 and the process that's that's extremely valuable and noticeable for us here. He leads me beside quiet waters and restores or refreshes my soul. We need to be able to go into the position of being in quiet waters. Not physically, but being able to get into a point to where you can be quiet and listen. There's a, uh, there's a guy named Tyler Staden. He's a, uh, he's a pastor at Bridgestone Church in Portland, Oregon. He, this is, he's, he's also the national director of 24-7 Prayer. And, uh, and the way that he, he describes this is, is listening prayer. William Barclay says prayer is not so much us telling God what we need him to do as it is listening to him and responding to what he's saying in those moments. And so the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. If we understand that we lack nothing before we even get to the position of giving requests, then we will understand that the good shepherd is going to provide for us the things that we need in the moments that we're in. I lack nothing. And if I understand that I'm in no lack because he's the good shepherd, then whenever I'm led beside those still waters, I can be refreshed. Otherwise, if I have the thought process and the mindset that I lack a lot, then when I get by those still waters, I'm not even paying attention to the beauty that's going to be in that moment. I'm so concerned with 
word vomiting out every single thing that's going on in so much worry and so much disdain that God is just waiting. And he's so kind and he's so patient that he'll let you do that so that you can get to the point to where you've emptied yourself of all those worries. And now you have no choice but to be quiet now because he cannot complain any longer because you've exhausted yourself to the point of not being able to speak anymore. And then in those moments, he can then refresh you. If I understand that he as the good shepherd is going to lead me through the, through the narrow way, through the gate. The gate that's also going to keep me safe from ravenous wolves and from other things that could try to come in and take me away. Then guess what? I'm not going to lack anything in that safety. And so then he can refresh my soul. He can he can restore those things that are going on. And then he says right after that, I love it. He guides me along the right paths. Other versions say paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The sheep will follow because they know his voice and when they follow him they will be led in the paths of righteousness not for their own name's sake but for the sake of glorifying the shepherd for providing the way in which they can go that is righteous and right standing it'll be the right path it doesn't mean that it's going to be the easiest to follow but if you know his voice then it doesn't matter at what point he may deviate and go to another direction that other people may not go in because he's the good shepherd and i'm not going to lack anything I have, I have no lack in this moment right now, knowing that he's the good shepherd. And so then he says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. They realize if, if I know the good shepherd and I'm, I lack nothing, then why would I ever, 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 ever consider or contemplate following another person's voice? Because it's not going to be worth it or worthy. There's going to be no righteousness within there. It's going to be righteousness unto yourself or righteousness unto that own person. And that person's not the good shepherd. And so being led by his voice, understanding what he's saying, being able to pinpoint what he is actually communicating to you and stepping out in faith and saying, I will follow. Then we will be able to see that there's, there's much more on the side of, of following his voice than there is going any other direction. And then he says in verse 7, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. He says it again. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. I, this, this passage is really interesting to me uh, because sometimes we, we tend to equate the thief with the enemy, with, with like the devil. But that's not quite the context that he's mentioning here. Now it is true that, that the devil does not want you to, to succeed and to thrive or to prosper or to follow God. But here in this context, he said, anyone who came before me, is a thief and a robber. So anyone who has come before him, 
claiming that they are the way, that they are the one. Now, if you understand contextually and culturally, what happened is that there were many other um, figures within history that claimed to have been the Messiah, claimed to have been the one who came to save them. And so this was a very, very hot topic in their day. Because the Israelites have been, have been looking, they've been waiting for a savior. They've been waiting for the Messiah to come and to overthrow the Roman government so that they can take the rightful place as being the predominant nation once again, as they had been in the Old Testament. Have you seen many, many times over and over and over again where the Israelites, people feared their God and they were able to rule in those places where they were supposed to. Canaan, they were supposed to take all of Canaan, the promised land, and subdue it and to, and to live and to reign in the midst of that. However, because of their idolatry, they continuously failed and flailed again and again and again. They would have a, a righteous king, and then that righteous king would pass away or would make a mistake or bring idolatry in, and then boom, they'd go into another set of series of kings and wicked people who led them into a place of, of idolatry as a nation. And so the Israelites were looking for the Messiah, the one who would come and take its rightful, his rightful place. And so he said, anybody who came before me it's a thief and a robber claiming to be me. So listen, it's not just the enemy that will try to lead you astray. You're not just going to have a, a, a red-faced, nasty-looking dude with horns and a pitchfork and a pointy tail come up and say, you need to follow me this way. This can come through individuals. It can come through opportunities. It could come through many different forms and facets, but... It does not have to be just a devil with a pitchfork. It's a very inaccurate description of Satan anyways. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What are we doing that's giving glory and honor to him? Danielle and I talk about this often. Whenever I get an opportunity to go somewhere, she says, what's your intention? What's your reason why you're going? Is this for your own? purpose of, of making connections and being able to get more opportunities later on or is this because you feel like the Lord is actually moving you and calling you into going to this, this location sometimes I have to think a little harder about it what is my, my actual intention about this and sometimes I realize this was just a really cool opportunity and I thought I was going to be able to be on a stage in front of some cool people that I really admire and that was like kind of the baseline of what I was going to do. Ooh, it's probably not, it's probably not the, the move for me right now. It's probably not what I want to do. And then there's other times where I can confidently say, this is what I really feel like the Lord is drawing me into. And do you know what? I can see lots more fruit from those trips than I have if I reflected back and said, that was probably a little more of a selfish trip that I took than it was what I really feel like. Now the Lord used it for sure, even in my stupidity. But... There's something whenever you know that the Lord has asked you to do something and he's pulling you into something that you can see the fruit of that and you can even see that even in my weakness, he was made extremely strong. And so when, you, when, you're, when we're able to, to reflect back and say, what is it that the Lord is asking me to do? Can I recognize his voice? And you say, how can I recognize his voice? That's, that's like a really weird thing to do. Are, are we paying attention to his character? Do we know what his, what his preferences are? It's very hard to do that when we don't read the word and we don't understand his character and his nature. Because if everything is going to be for his name's sake, then what is his name 
proclaiming? What came out of his mouth? What was his attitude when he met certain things? What was his, his demeanor? How did he treat others in the midst of that? Can you hear his voice in those actions when he's speaking to you? And that's why the stillness and the quietness of those waters very impactful for you. It doesn't have to be hours and hours of, of, of contemplation. It could be moments to where you really sit and you say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're asking of me right now? Where are you in the middle of this? Is this you or is this me? Is this another person trying to drive me into doing something because they care about me? Or are they trying to lead me into deception because they're trying to gain something from my involvement? When should I open my mouth and when should I close my mouth? The thief only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come that they have, may have life and have it to the full. This is beautiful. When we look in the book of Psalms, you see this in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. So he says this. All who have come before me are thieves, robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. The, the thieves and robbers thing is crazy to me because the valley of the shadow of death, again, as a reminder, was the location that went from Jericho to Jerusalem, right? Yeah, Jericho to Jerusalem. And it was a massive, massive difference in altitude between one spot to another. It was treacherous to be able to go through, not just in the travel and being able to navigate through the road, but also because there were so many places, nooks and crannies and caves and spots that thieves and robbers could hide. You could either lose all of your things, you could get beat half to death or beat to death, or even more horrible things could also happen at the same time if you had certain individuals like women and children with you, and then they came and they had very horrible thought processes about what they were going to be doing. So there was a huge risk that came from moving through this valley of the shadow of death. But he said, look, these thieves and robbers came before me, but you didn't listen to them. Even though you walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why is that? Because I'm the strongest person in the room? Nope. Because he is with me. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And so if I follow his voice, like the sheep who, who know him follow his voice, then if he tells me to go down this, this place, then I will follow knowing that I lack nothing. Because he's with me. And if I enter to the gate, then I'm, I'm in safety. Access is only given to those who listen and follow his voice. And then he says, your rod and your staff comfort me. The correction that comes, even in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, it actually brings you comfort because you know that he is with you. And then verse 11, I love this. Because verse 7 through 10, he, he relays himself as the gate for the sheep. As I am the gate, twice, whoever enters through me will be saved. And then verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters them. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then he says this again. This is interesting. He says this about the gate twice, and then he says this twice. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Do you know that we are the other sheep? We are those other sheep that he's talking about. What a blessing it is. We're standing and sitting in this building right now because we are the other sheep, and he cared so much, not just to be inclusive about a specific nation or bloodline, but he knew that it is through his blood that all can be saved. Come on, that's, a, that's great news. <laughs> that's great news. That's great news for us. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, but I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Some of those sheep were also the Samaritans. If you remember from John 4, there was a massive move of God that happened as an entire community came out to hear and to listen and to pay attention and spend time with Jesus after a specific woman was met and was told all the things of her heart. She was revealed that Jesus was Messiah. What a beautiful thing to see as those who were enemies, essentially, of the Jews. In Psalm 23, he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The anointing of the Holy Spirit in those moments, knowing that you may be a sheep, but there are other sheep that need to come. Even ones who you would deem as your enemy. But here's the deal. You cannot be an agent of displaying God's glory if you do that on your own ambition or your own fruition. Because guess what? If you're sitting at the table, it's easy to do that with people that you really enjoy to share good news with them. But when it comes down to sharing things with people who you don't love as much or you've had many struggles with in the past, maybe you have a, a, a pretty big history with some of these people. I was able to recently meet with, with someone who I had some pretty, uh, some pretty big differences with and I had some, some not so great memories in, uh, in life with. And, uh, and man, I was able to sit down with them and just really feel the compassion of God for them. And we got to sit and talk for a few hours and just, I just got to love on this person. And it was, it was amazing. I even told, my, I told Danielle about it whenever this happened and she was like, well, you're gonna meet with that person? That's a pretty big deal. I was like, I know, but I really feel God on it. I think it's, I think it's a great thing, great opportunity. And we sat and it was, it was wonderful. I felt it was very healing, even in that moment, not just uh, when, as we were talking, talking through some things, but just for my heart, just to really feel the compassion of God as, as we got to go through some things. And so th I say that to say that, that there, were, there are times where if we try to force a situation, it's not going to end up as great as what you would have wanted it to, because you haven't listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit to move into that opportunity yet. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to lead you into that point, then you're going to have the great opportunity of the Holy Spirit's anointing to fall in that place. And then now you don't see it with the scales of, of regret or the scales of anger or frustration 
or anything like that in your eyes, the, actually the oil of the Holy Spirit will remove and melt away those scales and give you a perspective that you have never had. And that's one of compassion, love, and desire for that person, not to just know Jesus, but, be, but to be set free from the things that bound them as well. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The overflowing of the cup is not just to get your lap wet. I said that last week. It's not so you can have a wet lap. It's not why a cup overflows. It overflows so that you can enjoy what comes from it, and then you can provide it to those who are at the table as well. They can also reap the benefit of the overflow of the living water that didn't come from you. It came from the Father and is given to you, and you can now offer it to them as well too because you've been shown the gracious mercy of our Lord and Savior. And it wasn't so that we can revel in, in the past sins and things like that that happened and, and, and wallow in, wallow in our regret because it's not the cross that we pay attention to. The cross was the means by which he went to the grave. It was the resurrection from the grave that provided us the freedom from those things that he bore on the cross. The cross is beautiful, but many people died on the cross in those days. He was the only one that bore our sin in that place. And we saw the effects of what happens when sin in its entirety overwhelms and envelops somebody it leads to death james tells us that right james chapter one we are tempted and enticed for our own sinful desires and that sin when when conceived it gives birth and when it gives birth it gives birth to death so when sin came upon him we saw that that led to a, pl a place of death jesus even said my god why have you forsaken me a messianic psalm letting us know what was happening in that moment so that we could look forward to not what just happened then but knowing that there was something coming on the other side and we can celebrate the resurrection because it was in the power of the resurrection that we are no longer bound to hell to sin to the grave but we now have life and have it in abundance because of the resurrection so he had to endure the cross so that we can get to the celebratory sunday of resurrection and so we can share that when we're with these people. We don't have to, to, to waller in all the things that they had done in the past, all the, the past griefs that you guys have had, anything like that. It's not the, the, the past that defines you. It's, it's the present reality of a resurrected Savior and what that means for you now as a trajectory, as you can hear his voice and respond to his voice in obedience, knowing that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. It is not death that I'm concentrated on. It is the resurrected life. Paul says that we are new creations. The old things have passed away. Behold, new life has come. Verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father, the resurrection. He didn't just say, I lay my life down and that's, that's sufficient enough. I lay it down and then I will be raised up again. This is the command I received from my father. The very end of Psalm 23, surely your goodness and your love or your mercy, they will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
It is because Jesus rose from the grave that we have complete access to the Holy Spirit and to his voice, not just in a temple, but as our bodies, as the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it is for freedom that Christ set us free, not for us to go back into bondage of religion or bondage of, of past sin, but it's for freedom. So the understanding that the Lord is, is a good shepherd. Jesus is my good shepherd. I lack nothing. The reality of lacking doesn't come in monetary or physical items. It doesn't come in the status that we have from lower, middle, or upper class. That, that doesn't define the lack. The lack nothing comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It comes from hearing his voice and walking in obedience because he leads us in the right paths and paths of righteousness, not for my own namesake so that I don't have a lot of materialistic items so that I can puff myself up. It's not so that because I can have certain skills or things like that that can elevate me in my area of influence, but it is because of his namesake that just like Paul said in the book of Philippians, that whenever they look at me, may they glorify my father in heaven for my good deeds. My good deeds should lead people to the Lord, not to myself. Because if I become their savior, then guess what? I become a thief and a robber. Claiming to be someone that I'm not. Claiming to, to offer something that I cannot. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And in that revelation of lacking nothing, and then step into that quiet place with the Lord. Whether you have a physical location at your house or on your property, place in town, or if it's just a few brief moments in the morning while you're making coffee before the kids get up. Maybe it's a few seconds when you're in the shower because that's the only time you have by yourself. Maybe it's a few moments before you go to bed as everybody else starts to turn their lights off in their room. Maybe it's as you lay your head down, you, you sit and you wait and you listen to his voice and what he says. Maybe you have a, a little bit more of a luxury of times where you can spend more time with him. Praise the Lord, you have opportunity now to sit and, and practice listening prayer in a different capacity. Whatever time you have allotted that's, that's available for you, the Lord is merciful and gracious to meet you in those moments, knowing that there are different uh, facets and areas of life where you may feel like you're more busy or you're more torn because you're also helping to lead others, little guys and gals into what they're doing. Maybe, maybe you have specific responsibilities with family members that you're having to take care of and that's taking a lot of your time. Maybe now you're now in the retirement years of being able to have a, a plentiful rest in the Lord and you're able to spend more opportunity sitting and, and listening to what he has to say. That's beautiful moments for you to receive wisdom and impart that into the next generations as well. We need your voice. We need those words of wisdom. Whatever area that you find yourself in today, I can encourage you that the Lord is good and you have zero lack if you understand who you are as a son or a daughter in the kingdom. There are times that I forget that. There are times that I get caught up in the busyness of the day, the busyness of activities. There's a checklist that I have to get done. 
um, throughout either that day or that week, and it becomes more difficult to recall those things that I just spoke about. So I'm not an exempt individual standing up here telling you all the things that, that I, I now know, and you guys should all just follow after my best example. Listen, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm a sheep. I'm dumb sometimes. So I have to have that rod of correction as well. But let me tell you, if we can be joyous in those moments, and you realize that the joy of the Lord provides you strength because you know that you lack nothing. But we have to be intentional about making space for the restoration of our soul. Some, some versions say restoration, some, some versions say refreshing. I love both of those. The word refresh in the, old, in, in the, in the um, Hebrew, it means to exhale as if to sit down. Like you sit down on a chair after a long day. <sighs> Derek, I bet you did that yesterday, didn't you? Well, after you got home, painting all that, standing like this. Sat down on your chair or, or got in bed afterwards after a nice shower. <sighs> it's refreshing. If you look in the book of Ezekiel and the explanation of, of God um, creating uh, during, those, during those seven days, the six days of creation, the seventh day and the resting, it said that he, that he rested and was refreshed. So he rested and exhaled. <sighs> the first thing that Adam and Eve saw whenever they were created was not God creating things. It was God resting. We may read the narrative of the first six days of all the things that God did. He said this, it was good. He declared that, it was good. Created this, it was good. Everything he did was good. But the first thing he taught them was to be refreshed and restored in him. What a beautiful reminder for us not to strive so that we could rest, but to rest in him, to be restored and refreshed in him so that we can follow his voice and do what he's asked us to do because then we will be able to have there was something that was interesting in um i, I used to work at a camp and i'll end with this in uh, in branson called canicuck camps they were youth camps uh various times and stretches of, of seasons and stuff and uh, there was one that was like for two two months long there was one that was a whole month long there was another one that was two weeks long with kids I was in the one called K7, where we would have a new group of kiddos. Every seven days, we'd have a new, new crop. So that means all the excitement from the first group, they got all the energy out, all that stuff, they were gone, and a whole new of energetic, just pumped up, it's summer camp time, came rolling right in. And we would have early mornings at about 6 a.m., and we would end our night anywhere from midnight to 2 a.m. for the counselors. The kids would go to bed a little earlier, but we would have reports we would have to run. We would have to do a lot of different recaps with those who are above us. And we'd have to do different assignments throughout the morning or throughout the evening to make sure things were happening. And so the director of the camp, he said, listen, you can always tell after about week four or three who's spending time with the Lord and who's not as far as camp counselors. We're like, what? He said, yep. If you're doing this just for yourself and just to have fun, You'll last on your own stamina for a little while, but there will be a breaking point where you're not going to be able to keep up with much of what's going on, and it's going to be noticeable. He said, but if you're truly spending time with God, and the reason why you're here is to pour into these kids' lives, 
seems like the Lord will give you the stamina that you need so that you can provide, you can be um, as attentive as you need to be and you can have all the, the activity and all the energy that you need to. And sure enough, my goodness, how true that statement ended up being. You could see throughout the camp, some of the people who, were, who only lasted for about half of the summer because they were like, ah, this is not for me anymore. I cannot do this. This was fun. I had a great time. I enjoyed doing this. But even in our moments where we would gather together with, um, with each other, we'd have certain times throughout the week that we'd have Bible studies with um, our other counselor friends and the director. And, and you could tell the ones who were really pouring in and, and really being transformed by what was being taught, that, man, they were full of energy. There were some that you could tell they were just there because they wanted to have a good time that summer. And they got paid a little bit of money to have a good time. And you could tell, man, there's not a rest that you have. Even though we're all in the same exact schedule. Even though we all have the same amount of, now of course people have different energy levels and stuff and I won't get into that. But it, it's just very interesting to see how, how that played out with people who you can see were really diving in. And people who were not as, as bought in with that. I wonder if, if maybe some of us could be really tired because we haven't quite rested in the Lord the way that we need to. That he actually wants to impart wisdom and even strength and stamina. But because we don't have the perspective of not lacking anything, we're striving to make things work on our own. The Lord is a good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. He opens the gate for safety. You are safe in him. You don't have to hold up all these barriers and walls to try to protect yourself from what he's going to do in you. And don't have fear when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death if he's leading you there. Because he's with you. When you sit at the table in the presence of those who you would call enemies, be prepared and listen to the Holy Spirit as he anoints your words, as he gives you wisdom. Because your cup is going to overflow as you're led by him. Know that his goodness and mercy, his goodness and love follows you as you listen to, your, to his voice. Not just some of the days, not just a few of the days, all the days of your life. And just like he communicates in John 15, he abides in you and you abide in him. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because it is only by his authority that he went down and was raised up. So it's not by my might. It's not by my own power but by the spirit of the living God. Let's stand this morning. I want to just give it a, a, a very short, quick opportunity. <coughs> Excuse me. For listening prayer. So maybe new for some of you guys to practice listening prayer as whenever you say, I'm going to go pray, means I'm going to go just dump every single thing that's on my mind that I can get out of my mouth as soon as possible in the form of prayer and just say in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of it. 
But I want to just give a few moments right now for some listening prayer. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you that after we do a few moments of listening prayer, just the first things that come to your mind in the midst of that. Sometimes it'll even be like, hey, I'm a little hungry. Zach needs to hurry up. It's 1203. Uh, Those things will run through your mind, and that's okay. Sometimes those things need to move just as, as as the river rushes, as the river moves like a steady current. Let those thoughts come and let them go. And then after some of those busy thoughts are are exited from your mind, then listen to what you feel like the Lord is saying. And then I want to encourage you, write them down before you leave. Whether in your phone, if you have a notebook, something, write them down. And then pray about them. That's part of the beautiful thing about listening prayers, that you get to do that. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 4, he encouraged you to listen to what the Lord says and write it down. Sometimes it's in dreams, oh, three, chapter three, to listen to what he says and write it down. Sometimes it's in in your dream and then write down and record his his words. So it's important for us when we feel like the Lord says something, write it down and pray about it more. Is he asking you to do something or is he asking something to be worked inside of you? So we're gonna take just a few moments and do that. So just listen for just a few, few minutes. Jesus, thank you so much for times to just sit, to be 